On this week's episode of the WNP Podcast, we cap off our positional rankings for the NFL Draft. Stay tuned. Episode 141 of the We're Not Professionals podcast. I'm your host, Mike Mitchelson, and joining me today, as always, my co-host, Chase Crawshaw. Chase, how are you? I'm doing swell. Thank you for asking. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. I don't know if the fans can tell, but the voice is a little bit different here. Kind of coming off of a little head cold type of thing, so uh, that is why the DB's episode is getting released a little bit later than usual. Uh, It should still be out by Friday. We are recording on Friday so that we can release on Friday. Uh, a lot of on Fridays coming up, but on Friday, uh, it's going to be a good show. I'm excited to get to it because the defensive backs, it's been prolonged, but so was, uh, what was it? The offensive line class and the, the interior defensive line class. Those were prolonged as well, but it was more kind of, we knew it was going to be prolonged in comparison to the defensive backs. This kind of came out of nowhere, so we had to keep pushing it back. So I'm more excited to get into the defensive backs than really any of the the positions we've covered up to this point. I I don't know, like I I, I kind of feel that way as well because I I feel pretty you know happy and good with this DB class as a whole. I don't I don't know how you feel. We're, we're gonna find out. Like I've got 20 guys in front of my face right here that we're I'm not gonna talk about all 20, but I legitimately would could see at worst like you know 50 percent rolls for all these guys in the in the nfl 20 yeah 20 isn't that like a meme or something uh, on tiktok yeah yeah great uh well on today's <laughs> episode we are going to be covering the top 10 defensive backs uh and we we pushed them together last year we did six corners uh five safeties we decided we're just going to talk about our top 10 defensive backs because there are guys on both sides of the ball that are not both sides of the ball but um, that are currently being ranked as safeties that we could see as being defensive back or corners, and then same with corners possibly converting to the safety route. So that's what we're going to just be talking about top 10 defensive backs. But before we do that, we got to give you our upcoming schedule. We've got a lot of content coming out before the NFL draft, as well as we got some news to talk about around the league. But later tonight, we're going to be joining the locker room to do a mock draft with Landon and Sean, so that'll be exciting. Um, we haven't been on Landon's show in what, a couple months. Yeah, it's been a while. So I'm excited to do that, get get the mock drafts rolling, and then we also have a We're Not Professionals mock draft that's going to be coming out uh, on Monday, and that is going to include Johnny and Graham uh, as well as you and I. So two mocks, that'll be a lot of fun. I think that it's going to be exciting because we're going to be able to mix up some picks that – Maybe we're the same in the locker room uh, compared to WNP. You know, we can just mix it up a little bit. Not always do the same people, and that's always fun to do with multiple mock drafts. And then finally, uh, either Tuesday or Wednesday is going to be the My Guys episode. We want to do that before the draft. Uh, We're going to put our reputation on a couple players coming out of this draft. And I think that's going to be super exciting because a lot of times we go through these shows, we're like, oh, I'm a big fan of this prospect. Like I was with George Karloftis last week. Am I as big of a fan to put my reputation on the line? 
who knows? So we'll talk about that in the My Guys episode that'll come out uh, in the first half of draft week. But it's going to be a lot of fun. Any show you're most looking forward to? I mean, of, of course, I'm looking to, like towards these uh, these mock drafts very much. So uh, the My Guys should be pretty good. We still got to figure out, like, I, I don't even know if like if we're doing just like a top five, one from every position, one from each side of the ball, whatever, whatever we're going to do. I don't know. Um, because I've I've got quite a few guys I could definitely roll with. Um, I mean, I've got my big board, so I I know where I am compared to consensus, pretty much. So I, I really got quite a few guys that I I'm, I'll be very happy to talk about in that episode. So I do look forward to that. But the mock drafts are always fun. They are, and I'm excited to see what Graham and Johnny bring because Johnny he's been he's been very excited to follow along with the draft coverage, and you know I think he's trying to do his own research and stuff. Graham, he wasn't initially interested, but now more so with the Lions and what they could do at number two. He's very excited for that. And, yes, he does have the number two pick. He's got the Lions draft pick. So. Well, he would have had a meltdown if I didn't give it to him. That's true. <laughs> I like how you get, you gave yourself the Jags, too. The Jags and the Bills. You Yuck. guys, you, you, you're just, like, you, you, should, you probably like Jags. Like, I don't even want the Jags, but I'll just take them anyway, whatever. It's just, just an easy, boring pick. Yeah, you, you said it to oh. me like a, like a week or two ago. Oh, okay. That's true. It is a boring pick. Uh, excited to see what Johnny does at the the four ten picks with the Jets, and then uh, I've got the Texans. So fun. I, I, it just means you can draft everything. Absolutely. All right. Well, let's talk about some news around the league. Let's first talk about Debo Samuel with the Forty ers He requests a trade. Uh, apparently, not a big fan of how much he's being used. He hates football. Weird. Hates football. Yeah, he hates being a good NFL player, obviously, because he would have not had the success, and I don't think any other system. It's pretty clear that really only the 49ers are using guys that that way. Like you know, he he had I like, I don't remember how many carries it was, but he had like ended up like a 400 like uh, rushing yards, or just under 400 rushing yards, and he's not going to have that really anywhere else. He's not going to see the workload. He's not going to see the touches. It's just not going to happen. He's going to be used more as a true receiver anywhere else maybe a touch or two out of the backfield at most a game, and it's going to equate to less success and less NFL stardom. I, I it just It's really weird to me. It, I, my only guess is that negotiations for a new contract must have gone horribly or something, like because he, he's in year four right now currently, correct? Was rookie deal? Uh, I think it might be year three. Well, anyway, uh, he sees every, every wide receiver getting paid. Uh, thanks, Trent Baalke. Yeah, and, for real. <laughs> And now he wants to be part of the action. So I, I just I'm I'm not a fan of, of where this is going with the NFL. I'm not a fan of. I'm a little unhappy with my contract situation. While I'm still on a rookie contract that is very well written out in the CBA rules and is agreed upon by the NHLPA. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go whine and ask for a trade. I'm I'm not a very big fan of this, honestly. Yeah. So he is coming into his fourth year. Just finished his third. So you're right there. Um. Yeah, I, I'm really not a big fan, and I think whoever goes out and gets Debo, Debo Samuel is going to, I don't want to say regret it, because it depends what they give up, but he's not going to be the same player anywhere else. He's a guy that is so versatile, can do it on the ground and through the air, and he doesn't want that role anymore. He's had one productive season. I'm not willing to give up even a second for Oh, I, I disagree on that part. I'm I'm willing to give up a second. Depending on the team, I'd be willing to give up a very 
like low end first round pick as well. You know, like if if someone like the Chiefs, for example, if they can make the money work, like that'd be a team that'd be worth giving up one of their first for, for Debo. But um, for the most part, you know, I, I wouldn't like the Lions. I don't. I think there's no need to trade for them. Really, the biggest problem with trading for them is you're gonna have to give up a premium asset plus paying twenty million dollars minimum a year and. Both those things combined together are just a recipe for disaster. And he's not as going to be not going to be as productive. Yeah, and we've only seen one big year of production because he's been injury prone prior to that. If he can stay healthy, I think just as a true receiver, he can he can be a you know a really reliable NFL receiver, but not a guy that's a twenty million dollar guy a year. I think a lot of people have him as like a top seven, top eight wide receiver right now, but I think people take into account him as a weapon rather than just a wide receiver. Yeah. I think if he goes to a new team and gets that strictly wide receiver role. I think he drops out of that top 10. I would agree. So uh, interesting to see what happens with the Debo Samuel storyline. Uh, we now move to Arizona as Steve Kine, the GM over there, said there is no chance that Kyler Murray could be traded. Kyler Murray then went on Twitter, put 100%, and said he wanted to win Super Bowls in Arizona. So, I mean, I didn't think there was going to be a Kyler trade, but – you know, contract situation and stuff not really been great over there. He's not getting traded. I, I don't. I don't care. He's playing through the contract. If he wants to sit down and go play baseball or some stupid shit like that, go ahead. Just just do it because like I I, I kind of don't care anymore. I'm I'm really getting sick and tired of guys agreeing to these contracts and getting mad when they don't feel like they're getting paid enough. At the end of the day, you agree to the contract. You do, you don't like how much or how little rookies get paid in the NFL. Well, it's still more than every other sports rookies, and you can go argue that for the next crop of rookies in, in in your next CBA negotiations. Just deal with it. You sign that contract. You, you know what you're coming into. It, it, it's still a shitload of money, more money than you would ever make doing anything else, any single one of these guys. So I, I'm just, I'm, I'm really kind of, kind of getting, getting sick of it, to be honest. He, he's in a good situation. He's on a team that is utilizing him in the best way. I, I truly believe that. I don't, I don't really know if any other team is a good fit for Kyler Murray. I, I think the Cardinals and what Cliff is trying to do, is what works best for him. And the guys around him on, on that offense is what works best for him as well. So I, I can't see why he would want to leave. And I think everyone here that has been a guest on the We're Not Professionals podcast would all agree with the statement that we want players to get paid. We think they should get what they are owed, but once the contract's over. Like, there's no reason to... Uh, go and pout or throw a tantrum online just because your current contract isn't what you want your future contract to be. Go and get paid, but at the right time. And right now, Kyler Murray, just continue to prove yourself. I don't think he's proven to be a top 10 quarterback as of right now. Uh, I think that I take guys such as Dak and Matt Stafford over him. And, you know, there's a big argument that we could have. We could do it in the offseason. We could do a top 10 QB episode. But Kyler Murray, he's right on that brink right now. He didn't have that huge breakout that we kind of expected. He did really well at the beginning of the season, kind of tapered off towards the end. So, And here's something players need to understand. There's only one highest-paid player in the league. There's only one highest-paid player at each position. It's it's Odds are it's not going to be you. No matter how good you are, odds are it's not going to be you. Accept that. Deal with it, live with it, understand you're making an incredible sum of money. And especially if you're someone who's in a great situation like Kyler, like Debo, I truly think they're guys in good situations mm -hmm. with, you know, building teams. Um, the 49ers, you know, were as close as they were to a Super Bowl last year. The Cardinals have all the right pieces 
in place. It's just got to come together. Like it's two good situations for these players. I don't understand why you'd want to get out of that. And you know, especially what I'm seeing for like Debo. Oh, looks like the Texans are are a leading option. Why would you want to leave San Francisco to go play for the Texans? I don't understand. Yeah. None, none of this. It, it's it's just not rational to me. And the biggest part of it all, they're in the NFC. And we've talked about it before. The AFC for the next five, six years plus is going to be insane. Stacked. They've got a ton of players over there, especially in the case of Kyler. If he wanted to leave Arizona, they're not going to trade him to the NFC. Why would they do that? They're going to trade him to the other side. And guess what, Kyler? You're going up against Allen, Mahomes, Herbert, Burrow, Russell Wilson, and so many other fantastic quarterbacks and teams on that side. Where, where does he go? The Raiders? Is that his best fit? Honestly. Do the Raiders want to take on all that extra money for Derek Carr when they just paid him? That's what I'm saying. It's probably like legitimately so, the best fit of him going to a team that has a chance to succeed and it still put him at like eighth in the AFC. Yeah. Maybe he wants to go to Tennessee, but Tennessee doesn't play the game that Kyler is meant for. No. So. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's a big problem. And then I also saw that A.J. Green, and I think it was DeAndre Hopkins, uh, but they were talking about how leadership in the locker room kind of hasn't been there uh, since they joined Arizona and uh, seems a little bit childish over there. And I, I think they were referring to the fact of Kyler. Uh, that can be disputed because they didn't come out outright and say, Kyler Murray is a terrible leader. But uh, I think it definitely points towards Kyler. Yeah, that's something where... At this point, you got to hope that that Nuke and AJ Green and JJ Watt are able to just kind of take a little more command. Yeah, I, I'm kind of sad because those are all players that were fantastic uh, in the primes of their career. You know, three, four, five years ago, it feels like all of them are kind of falling off, and it would not shock me if by the end of this year we're talking about them the same way we're talking about Julio. Like, I mean, AJ Green, we already had that conversation with him, but like Julio right now. Don't really know. I can't get there with with, with D Hops, honestly. I, I think he's still if he has another poor year. It's not really his fault. You know, he dealt with I mean, he, in, he injuries, dealt with injuries. But. So as long as he if, if he can if he stays healthy and just looks bad, then sure. But like in injuries, uh it really depends what the injuries are like. Maybe you can question all right, maybe he can't stay healthy anymore at this point in his career, but um I, I, I really think if, if he's on the field and especially if there's a quality quarterback there, he's gonna have a good year. He's just too talented. When he was on the field, he was the playing really well he had some dominant performances and then just couldn't stay on for the most part so as long as he can stay on the field he should have a pretty damn good season be dominant more often than not well enough for you to urge our buddy pal graham to trade jalen waddle for him yeah yeah <laughs> I, I that trade made no sense for either of those two teams but it ended up working out better for johnny anyway yeah sure did all right well let's now get into our top 10 defensive backs how this is going to work going to go over our top 10 then we'll discuss on why these players are where they are ranked. But before we get into that, Chase, I want to first talk about the defensive back class as a whole. You said you are a fan. When you say that, can you explain a little bit more? Is it the high-end ceiling? Is it the depth? What is it about this class that you like? Well, I think there's three guys with almost like limitless ceilings in the NFL. And then I think there's another you know, four to five guys that are legitimate look, looking like they could be absolute studs of their position. And then from there, another, you know, 10 to 15 that are just legitimate, good football players that can go in and start on a team and you can get good value. 
because there's so many of these guys that you can get them in the, in the second, third, fourth round, whereas maybe you normally you can only get them in the first round. It, it's really a, a testament to what has come in this draft class. You know, mentioned it, I think it was last episode. You know, you didn't really think about it until I didn't really think about it until I heard it where, you know, because of COVID, everyone just like taking an extra year and everyone coming into the draft class, it's a lot deeper. And I think DBs are one of the positions that benefits from it. I'm a big fan of the depth of this group. I don't necessarily agree with you that the, the top end of this class is phenomenal. Uh, I've got a lot of questions about a, the top couple of guys, um, and I think there very well could be quite a few cornerback ones and good safeties in this class, but I think you're more looking at the cornerback twos and uh, you know still starting safeties, but maybe not top eight in their position. I think there's going to be a lot of guys who can fit that role. So I'm a little bit lower than you are, um, but I'm interested to know before we just hop into our actual names, what is the breakup in your top 10 from corners to safeties? How many of each do you have? So I have four safeties and six corners technically. And then I, there's guys in here that I think you could really kind of use up both. Yeah. Um, I think according to uh, most places, mine goes five and five. Okay. And um, I do have an honorable mention that I'm really excited to talk about. I don't think he's going to be on your list. He might be on your honorable mention list, but I don't think he's going to be in your top 10. So we'll wait until after we go over everything before honorable mentions, but let's just kick it off. We'll start with you one through 10. What do you got? Right. Number one, I have LSU cornerback Derek Stingley. Number two, I have uh, Notre Dame safety Kyle Hamilton. Number three, Cincinnati cornerback Sauce Gardner. Number four, Clemson cornerback Andrew Booth Jr., Number five, Michigan safety, Daxon Hill. Number six, Washington uh, defensive back, I'll call him, Trent McDuffie. Number seven, Baylor safety, Jalen Petrie. Number eight, Washington cornerback, Kyler Gordon. Number nine, Auburn cornerback, Roger McCreary. And number 10, Penn State safety, Jaquan Brisker. All right. um, I just want you to pay attention towards the middle of the list when I get there. Okay. Okay. Uh, number one, Sauce Gardner out of Cincinnati, the corner. Uh, number two, cornerback Derek Steenley out of LSU. Number three, safety Kyle Hamilton out of Notre Dame. Start to pay attention. Andrew Booth out of Clemson, the corner at number four. Number five, I've got Daxton Hill, safety out of U of M. Number six, corner out of Washington, Trent McDuffie. Number seven, safety out of Baylor, Jalen Petrie. <laughs> Then we go number eight, Kair Elam out of Florida. Number nine, Lewis Seen out of Georgia. And number 10, Jaquan Brisker out of Penn State. Okay, so so there's a couple of different names at least. Yeah, a couple different names. Um, three through seven or four through up, seven? Four through seven. Yeah, a mix-up at the top, but then the middle of our list and then number 10 is right there. Oh, yeah, that's fun. Identical. All right, let's, uh, let's talk about... Derek Steenley first. He's your number one. He's my number two. Uh, Go ahead. Uh, He's an interesting case for sure. Yeah, and really when when it comes to Steenley, it's almost like the Trayvon Walker conversation except with a little more proof of performance. So Derek Steenley walks onto LSU campus as an 18-year-old. Could have played receiver, could have played defensive back, just choose to play defensive back, and it was a great choice, especially as a true freshman. Guy goes out there, dominates, is one of the best defensive backs in the nation. Um, I'm pretty sure he was up for whatever the DB award is. Can never remember the name of it. As a true freshman, 
to do that in the SEC as an 18-year-old is really impressive. It, it you know, it's just a true testament to his pure football instincts, his natural ability, his just pure hands at the position, something that's, you know, not very common. You, you don't see that too often with, with defensive backs. You don't see them being, you know, good ball catchers, but Derek Singley truly is a good ball catcher. The problems that everyone has are the last two years. You know, the COVID shortened season just wasn't his best year. Unfortunate, uh, you know, guys have down seasons. It, it is what it is. The fact that it happened in the COVID year, too, makes you want to give him a little more of a free pass, especially with how good he looked as an 18-year-old. And then this last season, he got hurt game one and missed a little bit of time and played injured every other game that he played in. So, again, you know, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt on this one. It could be too much benefit of the doubt, but at the end of the day, when I've seen him play as high level, I just think there is a ridiculously high ceiling that is just too good to pass on at the top of the draft. Yeah, I think he's got the highest ceiling in this class by far. And I would be willing to take a shot at him in that, you know, 9 through 14 range uh, in this draft. And he's a guy I'm going to be rooting so hard for. But the reason I've got him at number two in comparison to number one, I'm worried about him staying on the field just because over the last two seasons, he's only played 10 games. He missed in 2020, the COVID season, he missed games with illness. And then of course, with an ankle injury as well, and then missed all of 2021, not, not every single snap. He played a couple, but basically all of 2021 with a Liz Frank injury, um, which is, you know, the bones in your foot, the tendons in your foot, a little bit worried about how that might heal. And then you talked about it, how he kind of had a dip in production when he was actually on the field in the COVID year. I mean, the guy has all the talent in the world and I think can get there. But the fact that I haven't seen it since 2019 makes him my number two guy instead of my number one. Like the number one guy, he's continued to produce on and off the field uh, since 2019. Derek Stanley, I haven't seen it in a while, even though I've got him as a higher ceiling. It's been so long. I can't I can't reasonably put him there. So I'm going to use this to transition into Sauce Gardner really quickly. Yeah. Um, and just finishing off on Stingley real quick. You know, the uh, the, the thing is with the, when he produces an 18-year-old is what makes me feel good about it because it's it doesn't happen very often in the college ranks that uh, defensive positions end up flourishing as an 18-year-old. So it's a good sign of things to come. Those guys usually hit pretty well in the NFL, especially playing at Power 5 schools. So I'm, I'm willing to put my chips in on him. Then you you know you're talking about Sauce Gardner. You're, you're seeing a guy that's you know every every game he starts he plays incredibly well. Um, you know the numbers and sometimes the lack thereof numbers back him up because this year I mean they he he just wasn't targeted. Why the hell would you? You saw what he did the, did the previous couple of years. Um, if you did target him, he he was batting that ball down. He was intercepting it. He was just blanketing your top receiver. So why even bother throwing it to that side of the field? So he really got a true DB one kind of treatment, and that's a great compliment. And I have a lot of faith that that's going to translate to the NFL, especially with his size. I think he's just a, again, another natural player. I also just wonder, though, it is a smaller school. Um, he's playing against some some offenses sometimes that aren't very good passing attacks anyway. So how quickly does it translate? It, it might not right away. You know, it, it could take a little bit of time. Maybe the lack of targets thrown his way last couple like last season even last two seasons may, maybe kind of halted his progress a little bit i don't know i'm not going to know until i see it in the nfl still a guy i'm willing to take in the top you know like 15 10 even of this draft i mean I, i've got him ranked total as as my eighth overall player in this class like he's still someone i 
value incredibly high, but I just do have a couple small questions. Yeah, and talking about your questions, my one gripe on here was not elite day one. I don't think he's going to come in and be that exceptional talent right off the rip. I think he's also going to be a guy that might struggle with the likes of Tyree Kill or Jamar Chase. Uh, He's very long, and he's got good athleticism for his length, but when it comes to the very fast, very shifty receivers, I think he might get caught up a little bit. So for those top guys like Jamar, like Tyreek Hill, I think he might be able to might struggle a little bit there. However, he's my number one just because of all of the attributes he's got. Like he's a really talented physical player. He loves press man coverage. He's got phenomenal instincts and he might be one of the better tacklers in this defensive back group, especially when you're looking at pure corners. You know, safeties obviously are a little bit better tacklers, but Gardner's got really good tackling ability. And then, of course, the incredible length as well, being at 6'3". So uh, this is a guy I think he's going to be very good at the next level. Not elite day one. Might struggle with a specific type of receiver, but I think overall he's definitely worth a top 10 pick. Yeah, no, that, that, that's definitely fair. That's one really nice thing about him is um – he is definitely quite useful in the run game, which not all cornerbacks are, but he's someone that is going to bring you true defensive weapon eventually and every down. All right, let's now get on to the number one safety in both of our minds, that being Kyle Hamilton. You've got him as your number two ranked defensive back. I've got him as my number three. Why do you have him there? So my favorite thing about Kyle Hamilton is this is the type of defensive player I've talked about really wanting to see more over, over the last couple of years. So you look at, it's different kind of players. We look like Isaiah Simmons, someone who is truly a flex linebacker, flex safety, can kind of play both, can be used in a little more creative of a defense. And I want to see more creative defenses in the NFL. I think you can use Kyle Hamilton in a similar way. He's not as athletic by any means as Isaiah Simmons, but he does everything at a technical level significantly better. He has great lateral mobility. His lateral mobility might be better than his just downhill mobility, honestly. He's, he's great going side to side on the field. He can get from sideline to sideline without a problem. He's strong in coverage. He's just dominant in the run game. Uh, he, he can be used to, to rush the quarterback if he needs to. He, he can cover, um, especially if you're putting him up against a linebacker or excuse me, a tight end or a uh, running back, which sometimes safeties do that stuff. Uh, he's going to have zero issues covering those guys at all. You know, I, I get the concerns. Oh, he ran like the 4-7-2, whatever, whatever he ran. It it's, it's the whole argument of, you know, your 40 speed, first play speed. He definitely plays faster than that. I'm really not too um, concerned. I don't think he's the only thing. I guess thing about him is I don't think he's going to be a guy you can ever trust to get five, six, seven interceptions in a year. He's going to more if the ball's coming his way, bat it down. But he's still just going to be a very dominant safety from day one. Um, see, I've got a lot of different opinions on Kyle Hamilton than you do. Um, the reason he's up here so high, number three in my defensive back ranks, is because of the ceiling. Like it's phenomenal, and he could come in and very likely be the best safety in the league if he hits that ceiling. I'm just a little bit worried about some things he does on the field right now. Um, So I think he's got really good size and really good athleticism, even though it didn't necessarily show at the combine. I think when the play breaks down, like the instincts this guy has, phenomenal. Like he is a guy you want on the field if someone misses an assignment. Because he is going to be a guy who figures that out and uh, addresses it. But I kind of have a hard time when everything's going to structure with him. 
Because there's times where I see him in the run game and he's just taking bad angles at the run game. I think when it comes to his size, his tackling is actually a little bit underwhelming. Now, he's not a bad tackler, but I think for a guy who's 6'4", 220 pounds, he should be you know, tackling much better than Ahmad Gardner. I think Gardner's better when it comes to the tackling aspect of his game. Um, and then also you said you think he's good in coverage. I think he has the ability to be good in coverage when it comes to like in the box. But when it comes to long coverage, there's other safeties I'd much rather have. So uh, there's a lot of gripes I have about Kyle Hamilton, but then there's a lot of upsides and a lot of those upsides lead to an immense ceiling. And that's why he's at my number three. But this is where I think it kind of turns for you and I, um, because now I have a lot of questions about the remaining guys, and I'm sure you're going to be more on the positive side with the rest. Yeah, I, I guess I am. So um, I guess you want you want to go second, Debbie? Uh, now I'll be positive, then you can be the Debbie Downer? Sure. All right, cool. So we're starting with uh, Andrew Booth, who is, you know, I thought, I thought he was your boy, but apparently you got questions about him. Um, but, you know, the, the more you know, I... Uh, I think he is a good, flexible corner option. Someone who can play outside. He can play slot if you need him to. Um, I'd probably want to keep more on the outside. I think it, it's more beneficial. But I think he's you know very strong in man coverage, a reliable zone coverage type guy. Couldn't really improve in that front, but I, I don't think it's going to be too much of an issue. Um, the big question that I think I have with him is his tackling technique. It's like very like lungy, I guess, kind of, if that's the word I want to use. So that's something he's really going to need to kind of – um, or why are you smiling over there? Nothing. I'm, I'm that's, good. That's really something he's. I, I think he's going to need to work on. But I think it's it's not for like a lack of aggression or a lack of like football awareness. It's just a lack of technicality is all it is. I think that's something that can be taught. Yeah, and Andrew Booth is my guy. That's why I was smiling. <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm a big fan of Andrew Booth, and I would absolutely love him at 31. But he's not a guy that I'm taking top 15 of the draft. Um, I know there's a lot of people out there actually questioning if he can play in man, which I think is kind of shocking. Uh, I thought he, he looked great in man coverage. He, yeah, he he played more zone in Clemson, but I think he can be great in man coverage, yeah. and I would actually prefer to see him do that just because of some of the physicality that he brings. Um, I think he's got a great high point, and he's very good at just keeping his eyes on the quarterback, uh, reading what's going to happen, as well as the wide receiver. If the wide receiver's going on a deep route, he's not going to um, be holding too often. He's going to wait for the wide receiver to turn his head to actually make a move. So... Um, he's good at mirroring the wide receiver, I should say. Okay. Um, yeah, that's fair. My my biggest gripe, it includes the tackling, but he can be really over aggressive at times. Yeah, he's a guy that wants to be that ball hawk, and it's gonna burn him at times for sure. Like he's gonna be a guy who's going to try to jump the curl route. He's gonna miss, and it's gonna be a sixty yard touchdown. So that's my biggest gripe with Andrew Booth. I think that he's not as high as Derek Stinley and Amad Gardner and the technical ability sure, when yes, it comes yeah. to coverage, but uh, he's still a good player. He's With that being said, it's not going to be Trayvon Diggs' level of bad. That's for no. sure. That's that's for sure because that, that guy is just a wide receiver playing playing defense. That's all he is, where Andrew Booth is a truly defensive back who just wants the ball in his hands. So he, he's going to be more aggressive at times. But I think if you if you really... If he really, you know, cracks down and it's a situation where he has to, you got to stick in your coverage. You cannot deviate from the coverage. He's willing to do it. He's able to do it. Whereas like Trayvon Diggs, he kind of can't. Yeah. And I threw a tweet out there. Obviously 
a Bengals supporter as of right now. My services could be bought. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um, if the Bengals are able to land Andrew Booth or Tyler Leonard Baum, like, I'm going insane. Because those are two guys that I would absolutely love at 31. I think Andrew Booth will go higher than that. I think Linderbaum possibly could. Um, but the uh, tools that Booth has, I would be extremely happy at 31. The three guys that I think you want there, those two and then uh, Carl Loftus. I love Carl Loftus. I, I don't, it seems unlikely, but. With you know how NFL teams are like someone we ne- like there's gonna be three or four guys we had never expected that yeah. go high that are gonna go high. One of those guys very well could fall there. You know who's a guy that I really just did not know much about, but I've been hearing a lot more about going top forty in the last couple of weeks. Let's hear it, Zach Tom, out of Wake Forest, mm-hmm. offensive tackle. Yeah, dude. Like that's a guy. When I started doing my offensive line rankings. Wasn't even in there. Me neither. But now the the hype is real for him, and I've heard a couple of people, dif- a couple of different people say, "Don't be surprised when he goes in the first round." So I got I got turned on to him probably three days after we did our um, lineman rankings, and and came across and watched films like, "Oh, this guy, like he, he just does it all. Like yeah, he, he does it all very efficiently. If if you can have that that kind of offensive line piece where." He can play every single snap, and he can just literally – he can play center, then he can play left tackle, then he can play right guard, then he can play right tackle, then he can go back to center, then he can play some left guard all on the same drive, not miss a beat. Like, that's a huge piece to have. Yeah, and he doesn't have the ceiling of, you know, the Charles Cross, the uh, Evan Neal, Ikemaquanu that we've talked about, but he's going to come in and be a day-one starter, Yeah, like, immediately. He's going to be good enough to do that for a team. So, uh yeah, I, that's that's one that is going to be one of those four or five names that I think people weren't really expecting uh, to go in the first round to actually do that, which could then drop those three players to Cincinnati. I I, I did a Bengals, um, well not Bengals mock, but I did a whole mock where like so I had the Bengals as well. Did a two round earlier, and I was going to take I still Zach Tom there with with their second pick in the second round, like their pick in the second round. I was going to take him, but then I remembered, you know, I went offensive line in the first round because um, Kenyon Green happened to be right there. I was okay. like, I was like, you know, if if the way this worked out, like they're going to take Kenyon Green if he's there. Yeah. Um. So so I didn't want to double up on O line, but it was tempting. All right, let's now move on to Dax Hill out of U of M. What are your thoughts on him? I think he's someone that you know he's going to be free safety. He's more more coverage than just strictly run defending type guy. Uh, I, I think he can play nickel if you need him to. Uh, you know, he's he's a little bit smaller, but his um, side-to-side athleticism, you know, going to the sideline, I, I'm a fan of it. It helps him, you know, maintain coverage. He can take away some pass options. I think he um, is also not useless in the run game, like, by any means. I think I think he's someone who can, who can bring in the run game as well. And I think he's just going to be a nice, like, solid safety. I, I, don't, I don't know if I see you know, top three safety upside, but I think he's someone that, you know, he, he could come in and really show up on day one and just hold a role from day one for the next like eight years of his career and just be really steady the whole time. Yeah. And this isn't a guy who I think he ran like a four, four, three or something like that. Uh, didn't have the fastest 40 at the combine, but when I was watching film, he was the fastest guy out of everyone in this class. Yeah. Like he was flying super fast and aggressive. Um, I agree. I think he's a safety. I also put nickel, uh, good in coverage. Um, I think he's good at shredding blocks when it comes to the run game. Uh, but I do question his ability of, you know, playing outside his high point, not great. And then his size being underwhelming 
not going to be great for the run game. So although he's got the ability to help in the run game, the size is definitely going to be a limiting factor. Yeah, that's fair. He's going to be used a little bit differently than some safeties would in the run game. So that's for sure. I can get that. All right, let's not talk about Trent McDuffie. Uh, you preface this with defensive back. Defensive Trent back Trent Duffy, yes. Uh, Trent McDuffie, I truly think, uh, you know, he, he can play nickel, he can play safety, he can play cornerback. Like, what, whatever whatever you need him to do, he's going to be able to do it and execute it just fine. I think he's pretty physical, uh, good athleticism, not, like, overwhelming, but good athleticism, uh, good in zone coverage, solid in man from what I've seen. Um but really, like he kind of does better as a cornerback in zone and run defending, so that's why I feel maybe he's going to be better off as a safety at the next level. Uh, it, it, it just if it's someone again, if you're willing to, maybe use him in a couple roles. Maybe maybe that's a beneficial piece for you. If you can use him as safety, if can you use him uh, at corner, if you, if you're willing to kind of move him around, it, it could be a beneficial player. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised that you and I are both a little bit lower on Trent McDuffie. I knew I was lower, obviously, but. The consensus is that Trent McDuffie is that three for most people uh, behind Sauce Gardner and Derek Stanley as the, the top two. So you and I both have him as our four and our sixth overall defensive back. And I kind of, you know, think the same things as you. I think he's got high instincts as his own corner. I think he's got really good quickness, but the lawn speed isn't necessarily there. That's why I don't think he's great in man. Uh, I think he can also get bullied a bit and the press man coverage that you might see. Um, so this is a player I think excels if he fits in the right scheme. Like I think 12 Minnesota could be awesome for him. He goes over there, plays as a zone corner. I think 12 might be a little rich though for his talent. Yeah. There, there's three teams I've kind of got in mind and where I think he, he would do all right. It's it is um, the Vikings the Ravens and the Patriots, I think he would do well in all three of those systems. And I think the Patriots is a very realistic option. Yeah, I agree. All right. Jalen Petrie out of, or is it Petre? It's Petrie. Isn't I, it? I really, I think it's Petrie. That's how, that's how I say it. Uh, safety out of Baylor. Why do you like him? Yeah. It's, you know, again, another, um, I can, I, I forgot I did him a little bit later than there's for some reason, but uh, just another, another first, first all kind of guy. in, in my opinion like, is a safety, but is, not you know completely useless in one asset of the game aspect of the game or another. Um, he has a knack of making big plays close to the line of scrimmage. Um, if you see him in the box, he, he tends to have some success. But I think he is actually pretty solid in coverage. Um, good in the run game. I think he competes pretty hard and is a you know a solid tackler with all right athleticism. It's enough of those traits all kind of together to just be a quality type of strong safety in the NFL. Maybe again, maybe not someone with a super high ceiling, but someone that. I could see possibly coming in and, you know, starting day one and making an impact. I feel like Jalen Petrie honestly could be better in the slot than he is at a safety position. Um, I think his coverage is really good within the box. Um, And, you know, he has shown some good safety ability, uh, especially coming down at the line of scrimmage, like you mentioned, in the pass rush and the run game. Uh, I think he's a very intelligent player with great anticipation. But he's never going to be that guy in long coverage. Like, he's not going to be a free safety like the Jesse Bates, like the uh, Minka Fitzpatrick. Like, that's not going to be him. Um, So, I think if you find the right role for him, he's going to be a productive player. But this isn't going to be a top-of-the-class type of guy. Yeah, that's fair. All right, now we get into our differences. Do we want to just go Jaquan Brisker, our number 10, before we get into our 8 and 9, which are different? 
or would you rather get into the differences first? Um, ah, whatever you think. Uh, we can get into our differences. That's fine. Uh, let's right. let's start with your n- number eight, which was Kyler Gordon, right? Yes, 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 yes. So, number eight, Kyler Gordon. Um, I, I think uh, he's a pretty good athlete uh, at the position, especially. Um, you know, true corner versatility can play inside, outside, whatever you need him to do. I think he's great in the pass game. Uh, gets by in the run game, not ex, you know, ex like excelling, but um, you know, I I think he's really going to see a lot more in, in press coverage. I think he's got. Uh, good tackling ability, quality ball skills. Uh, someone who I think actually ha- has a higher ceiling type of player because I've seen this stuff, you know, that I mentioned, but I don't know if, if I'd seen it enough to believe that he's someone that can come in and like immediately really make an impact. I think he's someone that's really going to find that level of consistency first and then continue to do it at a high level and he could find some success and be, you know, a team's great number two, even borderline number one type corner. Very interesting. Uh, Kyler Gordon comes in at my number 12. Um, and most of the things you talked about, I agree with. I think he's a very tough, quick corner. Um, but I see him more being a slot guy rather than being outside just because hmm. I don't know if the lawn speed is there um, to That's be fair. that outside corner. Um, I think he can absolutely make an, a day one impact in that slot. Uh, but this is where we differ as well. You said you think he could be a higher ceiling player. I kind of question that ceiling. I'm not sure how high it is. Um, I think he could make a, a huge impact in the slot, similar to a Mike Hilton, who I think is, you know, very good at his position. Um, but when it comes to guys that are recognized as the top of the cornerback class, I don't think Kyler Gordon can be that. Interesting. I I think it's, you know, it, it's something that might take a year or two, but I, I do think he can find success aside. I think he is... He's probably got better long speed than, in my opinion, than you think he does, which is why I think he can succeed more out there. But at the same time, I I, I do think if you're going to use him right away, you're going to use him in more shorter field situations. You don't want to use him too far downfield quite yet because he still is kind of raw in that aspect. I think he just reacts like a little too slowly for is is really what it comes down to. So if uh you know he, he can improve that, which I think he can, that's where I really like his ceiling because I think he could offer legitimate versatility at that point. That's fair. Uh, let's not talk about my number eight, that being Kair Elam out of Florida. Uh, the reason I like him is size, obviously, being 6'2", 196 pounds. Um, he's very physical, good and press man. He likes to suffocate towards the boundaries. Um, he's not super quick, but I do like his lawn speed. I think that he is able to keep up with the the you know fastest guys in the league. Um, but if you're looking for... Similar to Sauce Gardner, if you're going to put him up against like the Tyreek Hills or the Jamar Chases, the guys that are real quick and shifty, not going to be his strong suit. Uh, Big, physical, but he does like to take risk. I think this is a guy who's a little bit more of a project, but if you get him in the right position, he could easily be a very good corner two on the outside. Yeah, I I think his ceiling is corner as a corner two on a team. Think he finds himself better off in in more zone situations from what we've seen uh, with his college film thus far, and I, th- I think he can you know do just fine that way. But he's really going to truly be just an outside guy. I don't I don't think he's going to have any success if you try to put him in the slot, uh, just strictly outside. Let him you know play in a little more zone coverage type of system, or just let him truly develop as a man guy and don't put him in situations where he's going to fail. And then sure you can find some success, but it's someone I can just never even envision being a team's number one. And if he's your number one, you're kind of in trouble. Yeah, and I mean, 
after Andrew Booth, I can't really see any of these guys being number ones. So that's where, you know, I talked about it earlier in the episode. I'm lower on a lot of these guys than you are. Um, and so there's my cutoff right there. Andrew Booth, you know, number one, I think he can be there. Everything after, I think very good depth, very good late first, uh, you know, early second, um, maybe even mid second guys that you can add to, you know, be good players, but they're not going to be a leader or anything. So uh, I agree, you know, not going to be a number one. Yeah, no, no, no way. No way, Jose. All right, number nine being Roger McCreary for you. Yeah, so let me pull it up. Sorry, I was trying. My web page is loading slow. But um, so Roger McCreary, got up again here. A- another guy who I think is a little more versatile than uh, just what we've seen in previous years. I think this is really the thing I like about this DB class. There's a lot guy like guys that offer a lot more versatility than we've seen in previous years. That I really like that in players. Especially on defense, when you know you're looking at, at different offenses every week, and you have to you know game plan for the offense, you can kind of use him you know if you need to in different spots. I really like that in a player, and I think it's, it's someone um, that you're getting Roger McCreary. I think he's you know good in zone, good ball skills. Uh, I think he is great in man coverage as well. Um, you know he's five eleven, I think five ten, whatever he is though is yeah. the only thing about him. If he were um, you know, bigger, I think he would end up if, if, if he were six foot or even six foot one, I think he would be a lot higher ranked, but that size truly does matter at the cornerback position. So it's going to kind of hit him a little bit. It's going to kind of limit his ceiling. But if, again, if you can use him to cover a team's number two option, he's going to have some success. Yeah. Really good impress. Um, I do like his leverage at the line of scrimmage as well. Uh, but the length is a concern for me with how high his ceiling as well as his lawn speed. Um, he's not, you know, going to be a detriment, but I don't think he's super fast. Uh, also, 31-inch arms. So, you know, he's short and the arms aren't very long. Not really sure what his high point is. So uh, this is a guy who, again, I think can be a corner two. Uh, don't see him as much better than that. And at times, he gets a little grabby. So, yeah, that's fair. Uh, this, like, these couple of guys we've been talking about wouldn't be huge fans if they went 31 to the Bengals, um, depending on who's the bo- who's on the board, I guess. But, yeah, so uh, Lewis Seen at number nine for Sorry. me. Sorry, I, I just realized, like, I have, a, I have an Excel sheet that I have everything as well, mm-hmm. and I just realized on my Excel sheet I just never actually added Jaquan Brisker to, to this for some reason. I have him on my, like, my like ranking sheet, but just never added him to this. So I was really puzzled trying to figure out what why I just missed him. Nice. But it, it doesn't really change anything. All right, Lewis Seen, uh, safety out of Georgia. He is my number nine uh, best tackler in the group, in my opinion. Like, the way that he's able to come down from his high safety position and hit the running back, like, that's something you're going to see on every inch of his film. It's fantastic. He comes down super fast, super aggressive, and always gets the tackle. Uh, Also, he can blow you up. Uh, Big hitter. He was able to play deep and didn't let guys get by him. But again, I think that's kind of a Georgia scheme type of thing. Uh, I'm not really sure how good he can be, uh, I guess, in coverage because Kirby Smart, all he wanted Lewisine to do was either come down, make a play at the line of scrimmage, or just don't let anyone get past him. So I think he's got a really high end ceiling with his athleticism, his size, but I it's still... It's another one of those cases of this Georgia defense. How good are they going to be right away just because of the scheme that they were, you know, taught to play? Yeah. So, you know, I, I've 
I, I've got him at DB 13 right now. Um, and really it's because I just kind of see him as a guy that I, I really, you know, I see him attacking the runner for sure. I, I see him rushing the quarterback, but I just, I don't know what kind of success he's going to have in, in the NFL in coverage. I, I, I really, I really don't have very much faith in it. So it's going to be a guy that it's going to be, you know, I think specialized, uh, not really going to be able to play every single down uh, super successfully. You know, you could use my guess, but I don't think it's going to be best for your team. But someone on obvious running situations, or if you can use them as a pass rush type guy, like coming from from the safety position, then, you know, that that's great. But you got to make sure they're utilizing them the right way. Yeah, um, I'd, I'd like to say that I have faith or don't have faith in, in coverage, but I can't say that because of Georgia's scheme. So yeah. uh, I am interested to see what he can do at the next level. Um, so, yeah, and it's funny because you had my number nine at 13. I had your number nine, Roger McCreary, at my 13 as well. Too cute. Um, I'm interested to – where'd you have Kyrie Elam? 12. Okay, so we both have a number 11 that has not been announced yet. So we'll wait until we talk about Jaquan Brisker. Maybe it's the same guy. I would be shocked if it's not the same guy, to be honest. Oh, really? I think so. I mean, I, I guess. I, I feel like my guy might know, be a deep sleeper. I guess I could. A couple guys I have on here as well, I guess I could see there. So I guess we'll talk about it. Yeah. So, all right. We'll go to Jaquan Brisker right now. He's our number 10. He's our cutoff. He was the last guy um, that made our top 10. We are going to have an honorable mention. But why is Jaquan Brisker at number 10 for you? I feel like, at least in our friend group, it feels like he gets more hype of being like DB6. Yeah. And. You know, I, I think he's super well-rounded. I, I I truly do, but I just don't think he does anything elite. Is really what it comes down to. I, I think he, I think he's pretty smart, and that's a good thing to have. It's good to have instincts at the safety position. But at the end of the day, I don't think he is an elite athlete. I don't think he's an elite tackler. I don't think he's an elite run defender. I don't think he's an elite pass coverage guy. I think he's just good enough at all, at all those things. And it's it's good to have. Sure, you want a guy that can kind of do everything, but there's very few players in the NFL that you're seeing play that are um, jack of all master of none type guys. Like he's got to have one thing that he truly excels at. And I just, I really don't know what that would be. Yeah, I agree. And then I also see him more as like a box safety, uh, a guy who's going to be playing close to the line and then uh, can do some coverage in the middle of the field, but the lawn speed isn't there to be, you know, a true free safety. So uh, I agree with you on the most point there. So I, I I think he could like, again, I'm being like a legitimate solid safety again. It's just, how, how good is he going to be without being able to specialize in one thing? I think I could be wrong, but I think I saw in one of Graham's mocks that he has Jaquan Brisker at 34. Would you be willing to take Jaquan Brisker with that 32 or 34 pick? Maybe. Um, you know, it really depends what's on the board. If, if DBs go and say like, you know, say my top five or six guys are, are gone, then you know, maybe sure. I'd still rather rather Petrie or even Kyler Gordon at that point, but I I would I would still be willing to because I, I think safety or corner the Lions could could use both in that second round uh, position. So if they went brisker, I wouldn't be super mad. But if like they're leaving McDuffie or Dax Hill on the board or something, then I'd have an issue. Yeah, I'm not. Uh, I don't know if I I'd be willing to take Jaquan Brisker at 34. Um, just the ceiling you know, is a big question. Yeah. And uh, at 34, you need to hit. And, you know, I think I think it was the Bengals at 33 got T. Higgins, and he seems like he's got quite the ceiling. So Who's that guy? Exactly. Uh, all right, let's 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 talk about that number 11, that honorable mention, because I think it'd be really cool if we had the same guy, but my guy's like 
at least I feel like I didn't see him on a lot of lists. I feel like he's more of a deep sleeper. Okay. So my, my number 11 is Tariq Woolen. Okay. Oh, can I guess? Can I try to guess your number 11? Sure. I, I've got two guys in mind. Is it Cam Taylor Britt? Nope. Is it Alante Taylor? Nope. Interesting. Who is it? Zion McCollum out of Sam Houston State. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, all yeah, right. You, you wouldn't start. So for those of you that don't know Zion, Zion McCollum, uh, I don't blame you. <laughs> um, but he is 6'2", 200 pounds, really good length. I think he's like above 6'2", as well, like 6'2", and 3 eighths or something. So he's obviously got the size. And then he broke like all of the combine records for for corners like this guy has insane athleticism uh really good size i think he is more of a raw talent like he's not going to be a guy that is going to be a starter day one i don't think he's as raw as some guys we've mentioned in our rankings you know up to this point um not in this like specific category but or position group but um you know, quarterbacks, there's guys that are raw with upside, but you don't want to see them start for, you know, a year or two. This isn't him. I think he can be a rotational piece on day one. He's not going to be a guy you want to start day one. Um, but the upside is so immense. I would be super excited to grab him in like the late second round, early third round. And like, I honestly think this is a higher upside, slightly less physical Ife to Melanfonu. Interesting. Ooh, we all were very high on last yes, year. Yes, we were. Going to be honest with you, don't really have any notes on him. So I'm going to take your word for it and believe that this is a guy that really could be something special down the road. But Tariq Woolen, on the other hand, this guy's a guy that's really got a chance to be successful down the road. I mean, awesome size. Six foot four. Great athleticism. He, you know, and, and well, he ran in the four threes, didn't he? Was, was that his official time? If I'm not mistaken. Let me look for um, If you don't mind, that would be swell. But regardless, I know he he ran incredibly fast, especially for his size. And the only like things, not the only things, like like the, really the things that are kind of like raising questions for him is he is far from technical or dominant so far. He has shown some flashes of being a very good coverage guy, but shown some flashes in tackling, shown some flashes in running. He just hasn't done it very consistently because he's still kind of new to the to the position, playing at a, you know at a, at a smaller university as well. So I, I think that really when things kind of come together for him, uh, you give him two, two years of development in, in the NFL, let him, let him see some snaps here and there. But by year three, you know, it's like, it's, it's, I'm not comparing him to Darius Slay because they're, they're completely different, but it's like Darius Slay was a high pick. The guy you know, for the Lions took till year three to dominate in the NFL. And then he started dominating. I think Tariq Wollin could be the very same case. Just have the patience with them. A team that's willing to take them day two or, or like, or like, you know, late second, early third, somewhere in that range, and is willing to just do what they need to do to develop them properly is going to reap some big benefits. I had to double check because I wanted to make sure I had the official time. Yeah, you know, because you know, unofficial times still like to uh, be around out there. Yeah, officially, Tariq Woolen ran a four two six. That's what it was. Yeah, so that's so, right. So that's exciting. That's, it that's, is. That's exciting for for a corner with that size and that range. Similar players right there: Zion McCollum and Tariq Woolen. Um, guys with a lot of upside because of the athleticism and the size, um, but going to be guys you want to see, you know, take a little bit more time, maybe be rotational day one, but the ceilings are, are very high. Absolutely. So uh, exciting class. I obviously think that it's going to be more of a um, mid to late first round and then day two 
uh, type of class. Chase, a little bit higher on some of these guys, but I think overall um, it's a very good class in comparison to like the rest of the draft. Like this position group is very deep, so going to be a lot of guys to keep a keep an eye on, especially um, in that day two spot. Uh, you can see some of our honorable mentions, and you know our what seven through you know honorable mention guys all go in that range. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, very exciting. But that's going to do it for this episode. We want to thank you so much for coming out and giving us a listen. If you want to stay up to date with all that we do, you can follow us on Twitter at WNP Sports Pod. That's again on Twitter at WNP Sports Pod. Um, I'm forgetting everything. It's been uh, two days without a podcast, so it's been a while. Uh, but if you do want to stay up to date, uh, we also have a TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook. Those links will be down in the description as well. You can watch Mike hit the Renegade. No. I will not be hitting the Renegade on TikTok. We might get Johnny or Graham to do that. That'd be kind of neat. Right? Do it on the show. I'm a, I'm a fan of this idea. Uh, if you are watching on YouTube, if you could, please give us a like, comment, subscribe. Would really appreciate that. So make sure to hit the bell to turn on notifications. Let us know who your top defensive backs are, as well as maybe some of your My Guys. I know we got our My Guys episode coming up. You might want to save yours for that comment section, but very exciting to see who you guys are big fans of in this draft class. If you are listening on a podcast platform, if you could please give us a follow and five-star rating, we would absolutely love you for it. Thanks so much for coming out. And as always, we're not professionals.